1: and that I have strong opinions on, (laughs) and that I've been talking on all kinds of other television and radio stations about, so why not my own show? Um, These two topics, well, the show is called today Manifesto, Monarchy, and More. So Manifesto, as you probably recognize, um, I'm going to be talking about the manifesto of the Nashville school shooter, Audrey Hale. This has, um, there's a a current (laughs) brouhaha um, about whether or not her manifesto is going to be released. Now, um, let me just give you a little backstory. Audrey Hale was a girl, she is dead now. She was killed in the shooting, which was part of her plan, uh, suicide by cop. Um, She, about a month ago or so, she went into a school, the Covenant School in Nashville, which is a school, a a religious school, where she was a student when she was young. And um, she targeted that school. I mean, it wasn't just a random shooting. And she came in and she uh, killed three children, nine years old each and three adults. And um, although a lot of people are saying that this was sort of a random shooting, and I guess perhaps it seemed that way um, when she came in with guns, she had three guns with her and she came in and she seemed to be shooting randomly. And maybe it's just a coincidence, but she managed to get um, the daughter of a pastor of that church, and also a woman, a grown woman, who was the head of the school. Now, um, Audrey is transgender, or she was in the process of uh, transitioning to be transgender. She considered herself transgender already. Um, And so it seems likely that the reason why she targeted that school was because when she was there as a child, um, she felt... Shame Now, when she was there, uh, it seems like it was too young. It was before um, it was before she was transitioning. I mean, I think she was twenty eight years old, and um when she when she um did this school shooting, and so um and she was already out of college and so on. So this was a long time ago. but still, because it was a religious school, she could well have um felt that they were, even though she probably is, you know, nine years old or however she was when she was there, uh, you know, it was before she recognized or understood or, or uh, for that matter, before transgender was in the news as much as it is today. But um, she could have had situations like where it was, there was a rule that you had to wear skirts, and she wanted to wear pants. Uh, something like that, even though she didn't understand the full implication of what that was going to turn into later. So, um, I mean, all this is yet to be seen because they haven't released the manifesto. Um, Now, so why aren't they releasing this manifesto? Um, And should they? What do you think? Well, clearly there are pros and cons. You know, first of all, it's the police, it's the um, it's it's a little unclear who exactly has total control over the manifesto to decide whether it's going to be released or not. But um, there are several lawsuits filed already uh, based upon the Freedom of Information Act. People who are angry, like the, the police, um, p- police organizations and um, different different organizations who are media organizations of course um who want this manifesto to be released now there are pros and cons as i was starting to say the um pro in my opinion uh is that these days there is so much that is being kept hidden from us you know whether it's uh and some things. Well, it used to be a, a more in regard to police, but fortunately, you know, over recent years, they are wearing body cameras and they are much more upfront about releasing what went on in um, in certain, you know, police uh, confrontations. So that you know that isn't. I mean, unless so that couldn't be a factor really in this because they've they've released video from these body cams um of which not only showed uh Audrey shooting but it showed uh some to some degree the two policemen who shot her which was of course a justified shooting and as i said you know it was really part of her agenda she she wrote to a friend before she went to the school that day uh, that she's gonna she wants to commit suicide and, and you know this is all part of her. It's a trend now, suicide by cop so that you don't have to pe- pull the trigger yourself. So okay, so getting back to the manifesto. So the um, pro for releasing it is so that you know, it goes in this uh, along this path of of being more uh, transparent. Um, now what are the cons? Well, it seems like there are two cons that people, some people might be concerned about. I, I am pro, by the way. I am all for releasing it. Of course, you know, as a psychiatrist and as a forensic psychiatrist, I am particularly interested in um in understanding more about what was going through her head. So that's why I want it released, and as well, of course, as the transparency. So why not release it? Well one reason is it's been called a blueprint for destruction so they are worried that future school shooters will use her manifesto as a um as a blueprint <laughs> a blueprint for destruction you know as a as a guide for how they can uh shoot up a school now you know that is a concern i mean that's a reasonable concern because it really seems like Audrey did a very um, detailed description and study of the school and of all d- different aspects of this shooting before she did it. And so her manifesto likely contains um, better plans, a better blueprint than perhaps some other school shooters who were more doing it more off the cuff. But there are already blueprints out there I mean, for example, um school shooters there uh, there's a fair number of school shooters who already said that they studied the Columbine school shooting, for example, so there is a a trend or a you know a pattern already of uh people who are thinking of shooting up a school looking into what other school shooters did so if Audrey's manifesto of her plans are more. Uh, detailed and so on, more accurate, better because she was a smart girl i mean she's is said to have um had high functioning autism and depression, and a lot of times people with autism, even though they have problems socializing with other people, they are very good at details so so you know her plans could be better than other school shooters' plans now, the other aspect. Uh, why there's a hesitation, and there are two sides to this. Um, one part, you know, what I am concerned about is that not so much about just regular run-of-the-mill school, future school shooters thinking of using her plans, but people who are transgender being particularly attracted to um, her material because, um because there is an increasing um uh, degree of uh of anger and and potential for violence amongst some transgender people who are feeling as though uh the world is against them and they are getting very angry about it um you know this is an example of this is uh the conflict about transgender Men, um, well, I mean, men who uh, who consider themselves women, um, and 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 because you know, in some places they are not allowed to compete in in games, and they are getting uh, there are some who are getting very angry about this. So it could be that Audrey's manifesto would be a rallying cry for transgender people. To think, yes, you know, she's right to be so angry and to want to shoot everybody and, you know, who she thinks did her wrong. Now, the other side of that is that some people are thinking that um, they shouldn't release it because uh, it will offend transgender people. You know, the fact that Audrey was transgender, um, if you release the manifesto, it makes it seem like all transgender people are violent and are going to shoot up schools or shoot up grocery stores or something like that. Now, you know, it is what it is. And she is who she was. And um, we can't deal, we can't uh, hide things because they may offend people. I mean, it is, this world is just, is just already so crazy um, in, you know, this woke world is so crazy and so worried about offending people by telling the truth. Uh, it, it, it is not good for anybody. So um, so that is what is happening with the manifesto. Now, some other things that are very interesting about her. Um, first of all, in addition to finding the manifesto at her home, Uh, The police, you know, they had a warrant and they went in and um, they found a lot of things. They found not just the manifesto, but like journals and other writings and photographs and drawings and, of course, guns. She had more guns at home and all of these things. And they weren't like hidden in some safe with a lock on it. They were all over the place, at least in her room and in the basement. And it is just unbelievable that her parents had no clue about this. You know, they were in such denial. Now, her parents uh, are religious, and they did not want to acknowledge uh, that anything about her um, being transgender or gay or any kind of anything other than um, being a girl. And it was, you know, this the sex she was born with. And so, um they wouldn't let her dress in boys' clothes in the house, and so on. Now, I am not saying that that's bad um you know that is their religion, and they wanted her to respect that um so so you know so they apparently just closed their eyes to her her in general, though. And whereas if they had just walked into her room, you know, some of these things were on shelves. She it just They described, the police described where they found them. And they were out in the open, many of them, or in her drawer. You know, just, the house was not a mansion. It wasn't huge. It was, there are pictures that you can find online. And certainly, um, you know, <laughs> the parents certainly could have seen these things. They They should have been interested in, just interested in knowing what's going on. Um, But they wanted, they were afraid, undoubtedly, uh, and they were in denial. Now, also her guns, she had three guns that she left at home. And, you know, how, how it wouldn't have been too hard to find the guns. So, um, but they thought that she, they knew she had had one gun, and they thought that she had um, gotten rid of it in some way. They didn't know that she bought more guns so, um, you know it's one thing about giving your child, well, she wasn't a child, you know she was um, she was a young woman, but still, there's one thing about giving young women who are your children uh, privacy, and there's another thing in trying to keep them safe. So, um you know, there are other issues here. For example, she could well have been taking testosterone um, if she was transitioning. And t- testosterone makes people, men and women, aggressive, uh, depending upon how much, what your dose is and how long you take it and so on. But surely you may know about men who take testosterone to build muscles. And a lot of times they become very aggressive, if not violent. So, you know, it's, she's um, on one of her drawings or somewhere she wrote that she wanted to change the world so it's likely that her manifesto contains these kinds of things you know not just a uh, a map of the school and what to do when but also her feelings about you know being angry at the world um there another thing that there um that intrigues me to find out um is about what kind of doctor was treating her. You know, the, the news so far has come out that she was under treatment, uh, in treatment with a doctor, but they don't say what kind of doctor, a psychiatrist, a family doctor, uh, a, uh, a, um, a doctor who, who gives testosterone, you know, it's, it's, uh, that so far has not been revealed. And of course, that's very important and uh, to know, I mean, you know, whoever the doctor was, whatever kind of doctor they were, we we know one thing, that they did a lousy job or else she wouldn't have uh, shot up the school and killed six people. Um, Now, when we come back, we have to take a break uh, soon. But when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Audrey Hale and um, about the things that, you know, it's very unusual to have a woman mass shooter, school shooter or other kind of mass shooter. Um, But I will tell you about some of the things that uh, she, some of the details about her that are just like male mass shooters or school shooters, which is kind of interesting. So stay tuned. We will be back for more. You're listening to Manifesto, Monarchy, and more on Dr. Carol's couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King.
2: Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about manifesto, monarchy, and more. So we've been talking about the manifesto, the manifesto of Audrey Hale, the Nashville school shooter. Uh, she is 28, I just looked it up to make sure that what I was telling you was accurate. And now we'll, we'll look at how different uh, is she from other school shooters, got male school shooters. So um, even though there is just, there's a very, very small percentage of women who become mass shooters, Um, there is a pattern to them and um, well there's a pattern to mass shooters altogether Um, and that is and and Audrey has this that is it starts out with the uh, shooter growing up in a dysfunctional home where there is abuse sexual abuse physical abuse emotional abuse or neglect and um then also the person is usually bullied or ostracized in school. Now, let me just, so in terms of Audrey's home, as I was mentioning before, um, her home was a dysfunctional home because she and her parents uh, were at odds in terms of, um, you know, her flagrantly um, going against their religion. And most likely, (laughs) most likely, there were other things in the household i mean i can't say for sure what what kind of abuse if any she had or what kind of neglect well certainly i was mentioning the neglect at least now these days um where they didn't look in her room they didn't really know what was going on with her um then also being bullied or ostracized in school now she was um ostracized and because a lot of people, she had a few friends, but a lot of people thought that she was very strange. So it is likely that she was bullied as well. Now, another part of the profile is psychological problems that remain untreated or insufficiently treated. Now we at least know that she had high-functioning autism and depression, and she, will, you know, and suicidal ideation, which made her look for suicide by cop. Uh, and as i was saying before whoever this doctor is um he certainly did not treat her sufficiently also obsession with violent video games now she herself has said that she binged on video games and chances are we're not talking about <laughs> oh, what were some of the early ones you know the, the, the most video games are violent there are only a few that are that are not so it is likely that she Uh, Like other school shooters, you know, that is the common phenomenon or the common denominator that all school shooters have in common that they were obsessed with violent video games and played them all the time. Which makes sense because um, if you are living in a dysfunctional home and you are being either abused or neglected, you have lots of hours to sit and watch violent video games play violent video games um then we don't know what the final trigger was but there is usually some for for Audrey but there is usually some final trigger that makes them feel shame or rage or abandonment um well so okay so that's uh that is so all of these factors of the profile of a school shooter or mass shooter, Audrey met, even though she was the girl. All right, let's go now. Let's change, change M's <laughs> and go from manifesto to monarchy. As you undoubtedly know, the, um, the coronation is coming up this Saturday, May 6th. And um, it is going to start the progression, the procession going from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Abbey, where the coronation will actually take place. The procession is starting at 10.20 British Standard Time. Kind of kind of weird that they picked, you know, <laughs> not like 10, 10 o'clock or 10.30, 10.20 British Standard Time which is 4:20 Eastern Standard Time or 1:20 Pacific Standard Time 1:20 in the morning on um on Friday night so um so i'm just <laughs> yes so and i will be up at that time i am i'm doing a lot of interviews about um well i've been doing a lot of interviews about the royals because i you know, have a, a background in that. Um, and and um, as the coronation has been approaching, I have been talking about the coronation in conjunction with other things that are going on. The other things are, there's a lot of behind the scene drama. Uh, you know about the family drama, um, particularly Harry and Meghan. There was this whole question Will they, won't they go to the coronation? I mean, you know, that was one way for them to keep everybody paying attention to them, right? To find out when they were going to make up their mind and, um, and whether they were going to go or not. I'm glad about the way that it turned out with um, Harry going and Megan not going. Because um, Megan's goal in life is to steal the spotlight. Pretty much from anybody she can but also from um in particular from the royal family because um you know she blames them for everything that that is well I was gonna say for everything that's wrong in her life but really um I mean yes she she does that but um she is using the royal family, or or using her alleged uh, complaints about the royal family, uh, to her advantage to try to move herself forward as in the in America um, because she has political ambitions, and so from the Oprah interview on where she talked about. Um, the the royal family being racists and all that, and about how somebody asked about the color of her baby, you know what what color her baby was going to be, um, Archie, and um, you know the point of that. This is all self serving. First of all, first of all, it is not uncommon, as you may know, when there's a mixed marriage, whatever mixture it is for people to wonder about what traits um, the baby is going to have from each ethnic background. I mean, you know, that goes on all the time. It doesn't mean that the person is racist, um, but, you know, but she made a a mountain out of a molehill as well as, you know, other things that they um, claim to try to say that, I mean, they really didn't have any other examples, but just, you know, they, they think that their impression is um, that the royal family is racist. And so this is very dangerous because um, just spreading these kinds of rumors, because, in fact, um, it, it feeds into there is a, a group in uh, the UK who are called Republicans. The Republic, not Republicans, not like Democrats and Republicans. This is totally different. It's called The Republic. And um, their slogan is, not my king. So for anybody who is in Great Britain and who wants to um, get rid of the monarchy, you know, not necessarily because they think it's racist, but for example, uh, some of the people have been saying, that all the money that's being spent on this coronation should be given to people who can't afford food. Now, you know first of all, there there are a lot of uh, public organizations that the, that the monarchy supports um, that do, that do give out food and give all kinds of other things to the people uh, in Great Britain so whatever is being and and a lot of the money that is being spent is the money that that belong to to the royal uh monarchy to begin with nothing to do with like um it, it's not coming from the people anyhow i'm not uh i'm not going to go into the econ- economy of uh, of england or great britain or the uk um but i'm just saying that these are some of the things so in a, you know, if, if you have somebody who is in the media a lot um, tr- promoting this idea that the monarchy is horrible, uh, it feeds into some of the other people who are saying, it's not this uh, organization, the Republic, um, is saying that there shouldn't be anybody who leads the UK just because of birth, Uh nepotism (laughs) but it should all all the leaders should be elected now in the uk there are leaders who are elected there is such a thing as parliament as i'm sure you know so it's not that um it's not that king charles iii or queen elizabeth um ran the country single-handedly so i am all in favor of the monarchy um i think it's it is like uh they have been very, I mean, certainly if you just look at what Queen Elizabeth, she devoted her whole life to um, the UK and she did a damn good job of it. And, uh, and I think, I mean, we need to give King Charles a chance. And I think he will follow in the footsteps of his mother and really be benevolent and so on. And there is no nothing wrong with it. And quite frankly, um, It's kind of fun because it's we've all been uh, we've all read or had read to us uh, fairy tales where there were kings and queens and princes and princesses. And it's kind of fun to watch this happen in real life, particularly with all the drama behind them, you know, um, watching watching the royal family um, have trouble getting along with each other, notably in regard to Harry and Meghan. Now, Harry also has contributed to uh, threats to um, the coronation because and not just to the coronation, really, but to himself and the royal family and to London in particular uh, or wherever the royal family is at the time, because as you may know, in his memoir, Spare, he wrote about how he Killed twenty five Taliban when he was on a tour of Afghanistan. you know he served in the British Army, which is the one good thing that you know is ad- admirable about him. He wasn't a bad chap until he married Megan is, is the story or met Megan. Uh, when Harry met Megan, it all went to hell so um uh, so when he wrote about killing these twenty five Afghans or twenty five terrorists. Um, Taliban. That made the Taliban and other terrorist organizations, other radical Islamists, notably ISIS and Al Qaeda, very angry because terrorists stick together when you're talking about um threatening or killing, you know, um any terrorist, the other terrorists, I mean, even though they have disputes amongst themselves as well, but they stick together when it's a question of the West versus terrorists or versus radical Islamists. And so they have been calling for people to come and take revenge on Harry and the royal family. And so the, the coronation is really, um, you know, I, I do a podcast called The Terrorist Therapist Show. And I, my latest podcast um, is called Terrorists Take Aim at the Coronation. Because in fact, you know, while everything is being set up uh, to be beautiful, and and there's going to be so much pageantry, and I'm going to be watching it, even at one o'clock in the morning, um, in California, uh, starting at one in the morning, um, th- there there is there. It's going to be. It's it's kind of like a. I mean, it's really television lives on on controversy and drama and on. Uh, um, not knowing the unpredictability of it—that especially is what is what why reality shows are popular because there is this, even though to some extent it's, it's scripted, still there is this sense of unpredictability, and so it's exciting to watch because you don't know whether everything is going to go as planned or whether um, you know someone's going to do something totally crazy. So with the uh, coronation. There is this there are are two dramas going on, two things, two main things that could that could (laughs) throw everything into disarray. And one is the family drama, as I was beginning to talk about, um, notably Harry and Meghan, because even though Meghan is going to be staying home in Montecito, California, um, she's going to be having a birthday party for her son, Archie. And even though that's supposed to be just a small affair from family and friends, um, really, uh, you know, I mean, there are probably going to be paparazzi who are going to be trying to get glimpses of it and get some uh, exclusive footage and all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's, it's likely that there might be drones flying over her house uh, or whatever house they're having it in and um, trying to trying to uh, catch sight of that. And I think that she's going to be doing something to try to steal the spotlight, even though she's not in London. Um, also with Megan, there is the drama of her father um, begging her like a deathbed um, request for her to, to talk to him, to make up with him, to, to talk together so that they could try to make things right. Um, and, and so far, I mean, she has been, it is just disgusting how she has, um, ignored him. And, uh, I will, you know, I'm seeing that we only have a few minutes left before the break again, but when we come back, I will be talking to you about her father's deathbed, Megan's father's deathbed, um, request and the likelihood of her um, filling, fulfilling it. And then I'm going to tell you about the, the you know, the what I talked about in my podcast, uh, terrorists take aim at the coronation. Part of it is, as I mentioned, uh, radical Islamists, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, but there are other groups also who are domestic terrorists. I mentioned one, the Republic, um, but there are other extremists who might well Want to disrupt the coronation? I mean, this is an excellent time. If you if you're going or, or if you are an organization with a um, a goal, an agenda, what better time? And I'm certainly not suggesting that they do this. I'm quite frankly worried about what they're going to do. But what better if, from their point of view? What better time to create um, some kind of a, a disruption? than the coronation when everybody, I mean, there are people in pretty much every country all over the world who are going to be watching this. So if you want to get your message across, um, this would be a good time to, to do something. And again, a good time if you don't care about, (laughs) about civilization. All right. So when we come back, we will talk more about the monarchy and then I will Uh, talk about something more for the last segment. You're listening to Manifesto Monarchy and More on Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I'm talking to you today about manifesto, monarchy, and more. Um, we're in the monarchy segment, <laughs> continuing about the monarchy. Um, first of all, let me mention some of these other groups that um who might who are aiming to disrupt the um, the coronation. Now, fortunately, there are also groups <laughs> in uh, in England um who, have been preparing for this, for the the coronation and, you know, they are going to, they have um, planned uh, protection for it. So, but the thing is that um, there's something called Operation Golden Orb and Operation Tower of London London, and this includes police and military and terrorist task forces, etc. But the problem is, and they have been you know, working, for example, at um, the Queen's uh, funeral and at the Platinum Jubilee and all that, and they did a great job. However, um, the coronation is going to be a little riskier because the Queen's funeral, for example, I mean, we knew she wasn't getting any younger. but We didn't know exactly when she was going to die and exactly when the funeral was going to be until, you know, close to when it was. But now the coronation, the date of the coronation was given out months ago. So these various terrorist groups, radical Islamists and others, um, have had a lot of time to plan. So um, who are some of these other groups? There is... um, I mentioned the republic the, whose slogan is not my king. There are also eco terrorist groups, groups who are inflamed by the possibility that we are ruining uh, you know climate change and the earth is going to collapse and we're destroying the world I mean we are destroying we are destroying the earth in terms of you know lots of species are being killed and plants, and, both in animals and plants, and so on. But these are people who, um, are, who are using rather violent or disruptive techniques to get people to um, adopt a very extreme way of going about pre- preventing climate change. Climate change, by the way, has not been proven to exist. So, um, so this is just crazy stuff. Anyhow, um, there, will, um, there, there are eco-terrorist groups in the UK, such as Just Stop Oil, Climate Control, and Extinction Rebellion. Um, and some of these groups, or at least one of these groups, has talked about throwing rape alarms at the horses in the procession now i i have a horse i am a long time equestrian i would it bothers me particularly that anyone would do anything that um that would could hurt horses um but not just horses you know if they these rape alarms are things like on a keychain that make a lot of noise you can push it and it makes noise if you if you're in danger of being raped to call people to help you but um, throwing them into the uh procession of horses would make the horses spook, which would make them either, well, first of all, hurt each other. It would be like um, you know, it would start a whole stampede, basically. And certainly the people in the crowd standing on the side of the parade um could would likely get hurt as well. Uh so all of these kinds of things are very dangerous and Hopefully they won't happen. Now, getting back to, so that's the, those are the terrorists, the the risk of terrorists, uh, of these various kinds of terrorists. Um, Then also getting back to Harry and Meghan, um, you know, the the family drama that risks um, stealing the spotlight. Uh, Meghan's father, Thomas, has um he and megan's sister half sister and her half brother did an interview recently and um they it it was very it, it, you know the timing of course their timing of the interview was done because uh to coincide with the coronation you know perhaps to um embarrass her before the coronation or to at least get her attention before the coronation or to perhaps give her the opportunity of doing something i mean that would be a way that she could um, steal the spotlight but it would be kind of a positive thing not stealing the spotlight would be positive but her if she made up with her father now part of their interviews showed a uh, picture of megan as homecoming queen when she was in school and she was smiling and waving to her father and saying, hello, daddy. And she, she, you know, you could tell that she really loved him or so it seemed, I mean, I think she did when she was younger until she got um, a big head. So it's kind of ironic that now that she is real royalty and thinks that she's better than her father, um, she's totally ignoring him. Now um, Harry and Megan used her father's um, mistake in, uh, before the wedding, in having agreed with some paparazzi to do some photos. They weren't bad photos. Um, And he was gonna be getting paid for it though. And so, and he lives in Mexico, he's retired. He's in his seventies, not in good health. He has had a stroke. In fact, in these interviews, what makes it even more pathetic is that he can't talk, um, you know, he talks in a distorted way because of his stroke and he can't walk in a normal way because of his stroke. So this poor man um, who is is really, and why did he have a stroke? This was right before the wedding because of all the stress. That Megan and Harry put on him before the wedding, with all this controversy, they made a tempest out of a teapot, you know, okay, so he signed up to do some photos, you know, big deal. Um, you know, considering that she used all her father's money uh, when she was growing up, he she got him to send her to private schools and to take acting lessons and all these things. What's the big deal if her father um made a little money? doing some paparazzi photos i mean christ she she does paparazzi photos. she pretends that she hides from the paparazzi but and she may not be getting paid for these paparazzi photos although you know it's really the same thing she got paid for the netflix documentary um which is basically a string of paparazzi photos um but anyhow so they use that as the excuse to to totally turn against him you know, she was more likely, the whole reason was that she was embarrassed by him, um, not really wanting him to walk her down the aisle, preferring to have Charles walk her down the aisle. And so they made this mountain out of a molehill and they have kept it. She has, you know, it's so strange. Most men, when they, get married when they want to ask a woman to uh, get married, even though this is some people are going to think this is just a quaint custom. And um, and yes, it, it has been a traditional custom, but it's still it's still the polite way of doing things where a man will ask the girl's father for permission to marry her. Now, I know that's not the usual thing these days, except when people are trying to do things in the right way, in the traditionally right way. Now, Harry never even met her father before they got married or before they got engaged. And I think that she was trying to keep Harry from him, not just because of his of her father, you know, being a little overweight and perhaps, uh, you know, and liking his beer from time to time, um, you know, living in Mexico uh it's but her father worked by the way the way he was able to pay for all her private schools and everything was because he worked in the entertainment industry he was in the in um on the crew in on television shows and um on good you know he had a nice job or jobs he was well respected in the entertainment industry in los angeles and so there's nothing to be to, to be embarrassed about. Maybe she was afraid that her father would tell him, tell Harry some things about her childhood that she didn't want Harry to know, <laughs> but whatever. So they have continued to uh, block out any communication with her father and um, not of course, bring the grandchildren to see her father. And those are some of the things that her father is asking for now. Um, so, her father said in his interviews, um, he said, "She loved me, I'm her hero, and suddenly I'm thrown out. You know, when she was a child, when she needed her father and his money, then she loved him uh, his father her father you know they showed pictures um in these interviews of her father taking him her on uh, fishing you know, trips and and um, doing all kind of, he spent all his time when he wasn't working with her. Um, let's see. Harry made fun of her father in his memo- memoir spare. He's talked about her father's belly hanging out over his clothes and carrying uh, beer in a plastic bag. Now that is not what you say about the father of a woman who you claim to love. Um, Of course, Thomas, though, her father, did did Harry one better because he said that no matter what he's done, he never played naked pool or dressed as a Nazi like Harry did. So um, Harry and Meghan should be ashamed of themselves. They treated they they have treated and continue to treat Thomas really badly. You know, I don't know any man who would marry a woman. Um, who treated her father as badly as Megan treats hers. Because you look at how a woman treats her father, just like women should look at how their man treats his mother. And that is going to be how the woman or man are going to treat you. Now, Harry doesn't believe it at this point. You know, he would say, ah, no, she loves me. She'd do anything for me. (laughs) Really. Um, So, um, so, Thomas Markle, Sr., her father, uh, said, um, let's see, how can I fix this? Of course, I love you. And Harry, nice guy, I love you for marrying my daughter. Meg, I love you. I love my grandchildren. I'd love to see them. And I'm open to any kind of conversation. He keeps saying, I want to fix this. How can I fix this? So this is his deathbed plea, and um, I really don't think that um, she is going to pay any attention to that unless until the time comes, if it comes, when she could use this uh, reuniting with her father as a way to get media attention. That may be um, when she all of a sudden decides to reunite, to be the magnanimous daughter who <laughs> who goes to see... Um, her father, or perhaps she'll pay for him to come to Montecito. Um, But, you know, she'll make a big deal out of how, um, how, um, you know, how she's being the the good daughter and how she loves her father and blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, it's a little, a little late. It'll be a little, a little too little and too late by the time she does it. So, um, well, you know, actually, I said that today we were going to be talking about the Manifesto, Monarchy, and more, (laughs) but it is right at the end of the show, so there's not going to be more and more today. (laughs) There will be more next week, however, as on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll be back with you again, and we will be talking about more. So stay tuned for next week. I'll see you then. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.